healthcare is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. All right. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guests are Dave Jacobs and David Greenberg from Home Thrive. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be Thank here. Thanks for having us. You bet. So here's the game plan. What we seek to do here on this show is educate our audience on non-traditional methods for employers to either lower their healthcare costs or improve value for their employees. Sound like something you'd like to help with? We'd love to tell you our story. And so again, really grateful to be a part of it. Awesome. So to uh, get us started here, I'm going to read a brief bio about uh, one of you, and then the other one can kind of jump in with their own bio, and then we'll get into the interview. Dave Jacobs has extensive experience as a leader in the healthcare industry. His comprehensive knowledge of geriatric care, combined with his passionate advocacy for senior in-home care, has driven him to co-found Home Thrive. Dave spent 15 years as a senior executive at Medline Industries, a $12 billion healthcare products company. And while at Medline, he was president of the Durable Medical Equipment Division in Red Medline's post-acute business that encompasses nursing homes, home health, assisted living, and managed care insurance. While in those roles, Dave developed a deep, firsthand appreciation for the benefits of seniors living independently at home and the many challenges that seniors and their family caregivers face. Prior to that, Dave co-founded a technology company that quickly soared to 77th spot on the Inc. magazine fastest growing private companies list. And Dave's had a varied professional background that also includes a position with a private equity company and a marketing role at Quick Roats. Dave earned a BA from Yale University and an MBA from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. All right, Dave, anything uh, I missed there? No, it's great. Thank you. All right. David, your team know. didn't send I, a bio all, for you. So, well, so I apparently. I, I think I'm going to struggle with the form and the substance. I don't know that I, <laughs> I don't compare well in either. It's not going to roll off the tongue as well. A little background, but thanks, Michael. Um, so David Greenberg, you know, care a lot about my family. Not that Dave doesn't, but care a lot about my family. So this is relevant, right? You get kids and you get parents and it's hard and you got a career to manage. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but from a bio perspective, I'm a recovering lawyer. I practiced at a big firm for a few years in Chicago and then spent 13 years in a uh, industry you're familiar with. I spent 13 years at Aon Corporation. I had a wonderful uh, career there. I had a lot of different uh, responsibilities, ran a bunch of P&Ls and, and learned a lot about risk brokerage, but also the consulting benefit space. After 13 years and, and having responsibility for a lot of international, again, this is all very relevant. Michael, it ties together. You find yourself responsible for a bunch, of, a bunch of international business and you find yourself on the road 40 weeks a year traveling internationally. And it's hard to be a good dad, good husband and a good son. And, you know, there are family issues that you just need to address. So I, I couldn't do it all. And I left there and joined Medline. Again, Dave was there and Dave and I have been best of friends for 20 some years. And at Medline, which as Dave mentioned, was you mentioned was a $12 billion company. I was executive vice president of the company and ran strategy. And then most of the P&L reported to me. So distribution was about half the company reported to me in several of the product divisions. So I've been in kind of financial services and healthcare for a great deal of my career. And that's a little bit of our background until we left a few years ago to start Home Thrive. And, uh, you know, of course, eager to tell you how and why we did that. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just jump into that. I mean, you both had really great careers as senior executives in large corporations, um, you know, managing people, uh, you know, product lines, P&Ls, like you said. And so it's not always sort of the natural career path to jump 
from those positions into an entrepreneurial role. I think what I'd like to know is why, what caused you to, you know, start a new company and what was the motivation? Well, I think Michael, I think the why is, is every bit as important as the what, and I'm really glad you asked that, um, you know, Dave and I did have, we had, you know, nice jobs at a, a big stable company and we were paid pretty well and we were shareholders and, and did all that. I think there was a few things it, it at stake. First, uh, we wanted to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. We absolutely wanted to do something more mission driven. Not that there's anything wrong with being a distributor of a medical supply company, but you know, selling those kind of commodity products, it, it wasn't fulfilling kind of what we really wanted out of life. And importantly, and we want to do something together, but there's something very relevant here. Dave and I were both going through something. We're the same age. We're both kind of in our early mid fifties uh, with family. You know, everything's fine with a parent until it's not. And when it's not, and you may have dealt with this, uh, I'm sure member, many, many folks listening to this podcast have or are dealing with it now. Everything's fine with a parent until it's not. When it's not, you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know who to trust. You don't even know what questions to ask. And I'm a healthcare executive with means that loves his parents and well-intended, and you still don't know what to do. Right. And what was interesting is you, you find that when you're younger, you talk about your kids and your activities. And now when you're our age, you talk about your shoulder, your back, and your parents. And so many of our social friends and our business colleagues either had just gone or are going through this exact kind of journey. And we just figured there had to be a better way. It is an enormous population. Those that are lucky enough to have parents that are terribly active, God bless them, you know, take advantage of it as long as they can. But sooner or later, something happens. They get diagnosed with a condition or they fall and they have to get discharged from the hospital and their world's upside down. And they're trying to raise a family and they're trying to do this. And they may have siblings that live nearby and maybe their parents live in a different city. But we just knew there had to be a better way. And we wanted to solve that problem. So that's at least why I think we did it. But they may All have. Right. A- yeah, Dave, yeah. let's let's hear from you. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I Got to a stage in my career, I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, more meaningful, wanted to do something with David. And I also had seen a need and an opportunity around this area that I felt kind of compelled to work on. Professionally, as you mentioned, I ran our post-acute business, so I was in and out of hundreds of senior living communities, nursing homes, assisted living. And for anybody who has been in one or has had a loved one in there, you realize they play a role, but they're really not the place most people want to be. But it's hard to be at home as you age. There's a lot of challenges. And I knew that intellectually and professionally. And then I went through it personally. My dad got very sick very quickly. He wanted to be at home with my mom in Connecticut, where we grew up. We have a close family, but my brother and I are both in Chicago. Uh, We have the means to support my parents. And despite all that and my healthcare experience, it was incredibly hard and incredibly challenging above and beyond the mere fact of my dad's illness and what that entailed. All the challenges of being kind of a remote family caregiver, if you will, was incredibly overwhelming, stressful, and it felt like it was more difficult than it needed to be. And I thought to myself, if I'm going through all this, what about everybody else who doesn't have some of the advantages we were fortunate to have? And that has always stayed with me as a mission and a need. And then you look at demographics and 65, I'm sorry, 10,000 people a day turned 65. And so the number of older adults that, and many of whom want to be at home, the vast majority want to be at home, um, family caregivers who are kind of living all over the country, it becomes more and more challenging. And so there seemed like a big need and frankly, a big opportunity to really make an impact and a unique convergence of something that seemed like a very good business opportunity, but equally important, something that would be a mission and that we can feel very good about every day being able to solve and help with. So that was what motivated me to partner with David to start this. 
what we found is that again, and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit, Michael, but the results, the, the ability to, to make that positive impact on families is really what inspires us to continue to drive forward. People like us, we don't refer to ourselves as family caregivers. We're just good sons or daughters, but you wake up and you realize you're spending this amount of time doing this and this amount of time doing that. And I guess that's me. Great story. And, and it's always interesting to hear, you know, why people do what they do. I want to start this interview kind of at the macro level, and then we'll get into specifically the Home Thrive, you know, product and service. We're about, you know, one year into the pandemic. And, you know, I think we can all see a light at the end of the tunnel with the arrival of vaccines. But COVID-19 has really put a spotlight on employee well-being. And there's a recent survey that asked employees how their general well-being has changed, you know, since the beginning of the pandemic. And 85% reported a decline with 50% citing increased job demands and 56% citing mental health decline, among other factors. So before we, we jump into Home Thrive, I would just love to hear your opinion on the state of, of traditional benefit offerings, which is going to be a medical health plan, dental vision, you know, maybe an EAP. Do you think these programs provide sufficient resources for employee mental health and well-being? I think it's a it's a good comment. A, a lot of employ, all employers have an EAP, right? We had them. I've used, never used them. With all great respect, I think you have to have them, and it's a check the box. Being blunt, uh, if you need to stop smoking, I think an EAP would be wonderful. If your dad gets diagnosed with dementia, or your mom fell down the stairs and is getting discharged from the hospital with a broken wrist, I'm not sure an EAP would be terribly helpful. We've come a long way with the emphasis on childcare. And I think, you know, with maternity leave and paternity leave, and it's wonderful, but I think we have a long way to go with taking, you know, it's interesting. There are stats out there that at any given employer, there are more employees spending time at work caring for an adult than caring for a child. You know, once wow. you're past a certain age, it's not about the children anymore. It's about your older siblings or, or your parents or your spouses or yourself. Uh, or we have a lot of members that are caring for their aunts or grandparents or, you know, a, 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 a father who can be in his 40s has an issue or a heart attack or a stroke. So there's, a, there's more people caring for adults. And, and I think that there really has been a shortage in benefits that really focus on care. There are some firms out there that are much more transactional. You can call a hotline, you get an answer, um, much more transactionally focused. As we'll tell you, our model is very different. It's it's much more of a one-on-one, -on -one, longitudinal, trusted relationships that's created that focuses not only on the care recipient, but also the family caregiver employee. So we'll talk about that. But I think if the ahead, mental health, yeah, the mental health aspect clearly has increased in terms of its relevance and importance and the acuity of it. And most people, as David said, are focused on childcare and other things. But I think one thing that has been overlooked are some of the challenges that a good percentage of the workforce faces. And one of the big ones is this elder care challenge, because what's happened with COVID, people didn't want to go to a facility anyway. And increasing numbers, about 50, almost 20 percent of people in facilities have come home and they're not going back. And people who otherwise might go into a senior living community aren't going to be going. So that puts more pressure on families and employees, especially many of whom don't live near their parents. And that creates a lot of stress. So these are the folks in that sandwich generation who have stress with their kind of older kids and teenagers, if you will their jobs, their careers, and kind of trying to figure out and sort out all the things around with their aging loved ones who are also fortunately living longer and creating more challenges. And there's financial stress, there's emotional stress. It leads to a lot of sibling related stress. And what we hear consistently is this appeals to a lot of people in an organization, but especially people who are a little more experienced who says, most of the benefits we have aren't for me. 
right? They were great. I don't, you know, they were great when I was younger, but I don't need a lot of those benefits now. I need different benefits. And so organizations, I think, are trying to figure out what are those benefits? Because people are also working longer and they want them to work longer um, and they want them to be productive. And this is one of those things that can help. I think that's such a great comment that, you know, certain certain segments of the workforce, right? Those benefits were great when I was younger, but they don't work for me now. They don't serve me now. And it's so interesting. We have this this movement, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? That's that that is focused on inequity. Well, how about inequity in benefits? And that was my whole point in asking the question about a traditional benefit offering is that I, I don't think there's there. I think there's a lot of inequity in healthcare. I think there's inequity in access to healthcare. There's inequity in meeting certain people's needs. There's inequity in someone who is a low wage employee and who commutes an hour each way and has a number of kids. Do you think that person has time to take care of themselves? No. Versus somebody who, you know, has a white collar job and time to take off, right? And who, you know, has a shorter commute. So I think there's a lot of inequity in benefits and how they serve different employees. Yeah. And, and I think we're at this point in time where employers are now starting to realize in, in a human capital economy, it's important to figure out how to take care of your yeah. people if you want them to be productive. Yeah. Well, another aspect of that, Michael, there's certainly the age slash experience but there's also gender. And while caregiving for even older adults is, it, it affects both men and women. The reality is it affects women more. Women are almost over two thirds of the caregivers. And what that means is it puts more pressure on women in the workplace who want to be significant contributors, whether they're in accounts payable or they're a partner or they're a line supervisor. They want to be a significant contributor work, but they also want to be there for their families. And as you know, and your listeners know, 2.3 million women and counting have left the workforce. And one of the main reasons are family responsibilities. And this is an aspect we believe that is really critical as an organization wants to be more inclusive and make it possible for people to bring their whole self to work and be able to take care of their whole life. This can be a really important aspect for everybody, but especially women. Perfect. So I think that's a nice segue into you know, the Home Thrive product. So, you know, I'll let you guys just start, you know, I think we've talked about some of them so far, but what problems are you, are you attempting to solve and, and how does the, the product itself work? Well, I think you start with a premise that employees are under a lot of stress organically, right? They're normal jobs. There's a lot of, especially now with COVID, just it's an added level of, of stress. And, and if you're in a professional service firm environment, you're, you're judged by your productivity and hours or your, your lifeblood. So it's really, really complicated. And if you add to that, again, some of the pressures of taking care of a parent or an aging loved one, it just makes matters worse. Our fundamental goal is to reduce the work, worry, and stress of the employee, family caregiver uh, that they they normally deal with in their day to day tasks. Of uh, and it's not an obligation. It, it, you know, again, you you have a it's your duty to take care of your parents, right? And and there's a lot of guilt involved in that, especially if you live in a different city. But if we could provide, you know, I'm going to use the word support. You know, Dave mentioned earlier, when people have to go to a, no one wants to go to an assisted living facility, right? When you go, it's because you don't otherwise have the support at home to keep you at home. And one of the areas that we try to provide is the support to the family caregiver and the care recipient to allow them to live independently and healthy at home as long as they can. And we find them where they are. And we do that in, in a few different ways. And there's also a kind of a, a general assumption that, you know, going to the doctor 
you know, once every 90 days is really important, but what takes place in between those doctor's visits yes. with what we call the social determinants of health is equally important. Because if you're not listening to the doctor, you're not complying with their instructions, you're not taking your meds, you're not getting the physical therapy, you're not putting the grab bars up, you're, you're putting yourself at risk. So if we can figure out a way to make sure that those clinical orders are complied with, that's a very that that's a very positive message for us. There's also a, again a fundamental before we get into the weeds of what we do. Some of us and some of your listeners are fortunate enough to have perhaps a concierge doctor where they know the doctor's name and the doctor knows their name and there's a trusted relationship back and forth. Not everybody has that. No. Some people just go to a practice group and they'll see the same doctor once every three years, right? Yeah. And and that's important also. So one of the as we get into what we do. Our business model is unique in that we have we have hired our own professional and experienced social workers. We call them care guides, but they're all experienced. They all experienced with kind of aging adults. And we assign a particular non-transactional, a particular care guide to a member family. And again, keep in mind, these member families don't need us and then they, unless they need us. But when they need us, they really need us. And uh, we do this virtually. Uh, either via telephone or video, we, again, based on the, uh, the skill set of, of the recipient and or the family caregiver. And we assign a particular care guide to them. So, for example, you would have your family would have Lauren and Lauren would do a few things. Lauren would get to know you because everyone's an N of one. What are your particular circumstances? Do you live in a house or a condo? Do you drive? Do you not? What are yeah. your conditions? What is the family dynamic? Who's there to support under what circumstance? What are your insurance needs? It, it, but it's a very it's not a difficult conversation. It's more of a social conversation. So again, the, these care guides of ours have much better personalities are much more likable than Dave and I. And especially when a family's in need and in crisis and they're just there to help and their whole life is about empathy, it really, really resonates. So after a phone call or two, that trusted relationship that is longitudinal is created. And from that, we can help do home safety assessments because just very bluntly, everything's fine with a parent until it's not. And it's not, you start dealing with it until they fall in the bathroom and break their hip. And then your whole world's upside down and yes. all these other, ben- it's it just, everything's up. So if we can prevent that fall from occurring, by, by having either pictures taken, you know, it's very easy for the, the recipient or the family caregiver or just describing the five or six pictures. Do they have the kind of bathtub you got to step over? It's kind of shower. You got to step over the bathtub, right? Do they have grab bars or their bath mats? What is the pathway like from the bedroom to the bathroom if dad gets up four times in the middle of the night as it's pitch black? So there's some really easy ones that we know where most of the falls occur. If we can prevent that, that's very meaningful. But then we also have this ongoing relationship where multiple times per week, we'll have scheduled phone calls or scheduled video calls, but also impromptu where if anyone has a question, they can just call the care guide. And the care guide has a small enough base of members that there's a familiarity and an intimacy that's related. So if we're talking to you, Michael, and you say to Lauren, Lauren, remember when I told you last Thursday, my mom lost her car keys or she tripped on the curb. Our care guide doesn't have to check their notes. They remember the conversation because it's that manageable. It's that intimate. So we will make recommendations. We'll do research. If your mom has dementia, what does it mean? How does it affect you? We'll help the family mediation, a lot of research. We'll educate you and explain the different products and services that you could benefit from. Maybe you've had to leave work at four o'clock every day to get the groceries or to get the medication 
there's some firms that have that delivered. You could do it in, you know, kind of a, a pack and it's labeled and we could have meals delivered in groceries or have someone come in to help with the home retrofit and put the grab bars up. Home care is a, is a very important component of that. Oftentimes the senior refuses to get the home care. They won't listen to the child who, by the way, in their eyes is still 13 or 14, right. but they'll listen to the trusted relationship that they have with their care guide. They're not going to tell their son that they're incontinent, but they'll tell the care guide who can get them products or services. So we'll not only make recommendations on products and services that can make their lives better. And we know nationally, because we're national, we know who to use in what's geography, but we'll take it a step further and actually do the arranging for them as a personal assistant or concierge. And then the last piece of it, and again, Dave can fill in some of the blanks. There's also a whole element of social isolation. Yeah. It was bad before COVID. It's terrible now. And we have a whole bunch of social programming to get the seniors engaged, whether it's listening to an acapella concert or it's participating in a bingo, or if they use technology, a link to the Louvre or something like that, or sending them fresh flowers every few months, because that's what makes them happy. And, and th that's kind of what we do and how we do it. And I'll, I'll let Dave kind of clean up after me. And let me ask just a, a brief question before Dave jumps in. So right now in you know, employee benefits, you know, there's, there's tons of advocacy and navigation resources that have emerged to help employees sort of navigate, you know, the healthcare system and, and create a better consumer experience. So what this sounds like to me is, is this is a concierge resource for elder care issues that, you know, people have relative to, you know, being safe at home, but, but also just general healthcare it's, it's, a, it's precisely right, Michael. It's, it's very well said. It's, it's a combination of kind of prevention, care coordination with this touch of concierge services. But again, not not to be unrecognized as the social kind of the the, uh, the social isolation piece. But you said it exactly right. And oftentimes we'll act as again, not we'll, we'll do the recommending. We're also the general contractor to help a family on their journey. And every family is different and every family has a different level of need, you know, sometimes right after an event, there's a crisis and there's a heavy use and then it kind of, it, it slows down a little bit. Some folks, you know, again, this is a, it's, this is a wonderful forum for it. And, and I don't know if you, sometimes parents or seniors don't want to admit they need help well, and yeah. having that conversation. And, and sometimes their child, their adult children either don't recognize their parents need help or don't want to take it on. And they don't know how to have those discussions. So some folks will use us in a very engaged way where we're actively speaking with both the senior care recipient and the family member. And sometimes we're just giving off the record advice and coaching via email or text to the employee who knows that they could never have a conversation with their parent about Home Thrive, but we're just a resource for them. Michael, to your point, where people get highly frustrated, they spend an inordinate amount of unuseful time, and it's not that effective. They get caught in this kind of Google rabbit hole trying to search for all these things. And if they're doing it for the first time, and they don't know what questions to ask and where to go and how to how to sort through the different options and frankly what's norm and what's not and that's where we our navigation and kind of coaching and kind of concierge services really help them you know for example we, it's not uncommon for us to speak to the discharge planner at a hospital when an employee their mom we had somebody they were insisting that the mom had to be discharged on a friday afternoon and we have people on our team who are social workers who have been discharge planners, and they know the hospital just really wants to get them out of there, but they don't have to be discharged and they weren't ready to come home. And we were the ones to talk and advocate and with that knowledge and expertise. So it not only just saves people time, but we give them a knowledgeable resource. And 
you know, back to your question about the premise, one of them is that we will have a relationship over time and with the employee first, but with the whole family, because we feel like by understanding them well, and we get to know them and we combine that with our expertise. And that's what allows us to be so effective so quickly where they trust us, not only them, but their, their parents uh, could be siblings. And we become an honest broker in that process. And the other thing I would say from a premise standpoint is this is really a service first that's kind of amplified and accentuated with technology. Um, We want to do it to make it more efficient, not only for us, but more importantly for our members, but it is a service and we've got people there and they're at the core of this. And, you know, it's not something where we're just trying to digitize everything and take away the help that we provide. David, you did a really nice job of of talking about the service, you know, for the, the elder adult, but I, I think about this as almost the service to the employee Can we talk a little bit about that? I mean, what is the employee experience trying to manage this, you know, without help and taking God knows how many hours at work, right? Trying to navigate this stuff and and get stuff organized or chase down answers on behalf of a, a, you know, a parent who needs help. Can you talk a little bit about the employee experience? Yeah, I'll give you an example. Michael came up this weekend. We had somebody who is, you know, she's a senior executive at a bank. She's got a big, and her father Bell broke both wrists in a facility and he's going to be coming home soon. And, you know, at that moment, so there's a question about when should he come home? And we were advising on that. But then importantly, she's overwhelmed by thinking about what has to happen at home in order for him to be safe at home. So he needs home care, all those things set up in the right kind of home care. And he needs physical therapy that can come to the house. He needs certain products in the house. He previously would drive and get his own groceries and things. He can't do that anymore. And those things have, and these things have to be done quickly and efficiently and to do it. It's so it's not just her outsourcing. We can do these things more effectively and faster because it's what we know and what we do. And we, we don't, make decisions for her and her father, but we give them the information and then help them make decisions very quickly. So for the employee, it just takes, so there's a lot of time that it takes off their plate, but it's frankly peace of mind because what we hear consistently is I am in uncharted waters. I don't know what's coming. I don't even, in this case, she said, I don't know what my dad needs at home to be safe. I know it's probably he needs something, but I have no idea what. And we could do a quick evaluation. David mentioned the home safety assessment and being able to assess that because what we did it a while ago for them, things have changed. And so we can reassess quickly and get them the things. We'll order them. We'll make sure they get delivered. And we can really help provide that peace of mind. So she can focus on her dad, focus on what she needs to do. She's got to do some things with her brother and get him organized. And she can focus on those things. And so we do that. We provide kind of ongoing help to people, but in those moments of uh, immediate need, we can really be a lifesaver in many respects. And there's an, yeah. Im- an immense amount of guilt oftentimes that the, 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 the adult children have too. They're traveling, they're living their own lives, maybe they live in a different city, and they'd like to be more supportive. They just don't know how. And this is one way that you can partner with a firm that does this for a living that can provide that support with them, keeping them in the loop and letting them be the good sons and daughters that they are, but allowing us to play to our expertise. One of the things that I, I think you mentioned earlier, but I, I want to make sure we, we highlight this is, is the scope of the problem, right? Like for many employers or, or other brokers or consultants who are listening to this, this just may not be on the radar, right? As an issue. So, I mean, how prevalent is, is this situation where an employee is, is dealing with elder care issues, you know, for, for a parent or family member? There's two ways to look at it. One is that what's really going on and what do people see? One out of five employees on average are going through this. And by going through it, we mean they're spending um, 
15 plus hours a week doing things. Like David said in the beginning, they might not think wow. of themselves as a caregiver, but they're getting meals, they're getting groceries, they're cleaning the house, they're doing things, they're running errands, they're making phone calls on average. So it's one out of five that are spending real time. But the challenge for an employer is people suffer in silence. Unlike other things where they, you know, if they have childcare issues, they're banging, you know, maybe virtually these days on the, the HR, the benefits of HR versus door. In this case, they suffer in silence. They don't talk about it. They don't tell their their employers. And we've we've seen that repeatedly. David, do you want to share? You had an experience with the CHRO of a big consulting firm who kind of. Yeah, this is this is just so spot on, Michael. It's it's such a great question. When we are speaking with CHROs at organizations, many of them will default to we're getting a lot of questions and we have a lot of conversations about kind of childcare. I'm not sure this is that big of a deal. Now, we frankly have had. I don't want to say it's luck because I don't want to, you know, we don't want to benefit off of someone else's kind of pain. But when we've, when we've had been successful earlier days, we just happened to hit some CHROs who are going through this themselves and it just resonated. Right. And they realized I'm not unique, but we had a really interesting experience where we were calling on the head of HR of a top tier consulting firm for about six months. And he understood it and he got it. And it was just a matter of prioritization. And he said, I'll call you in a few months. I just need to, he called us back three weeks later. It turned out his mother fell down the stairs. He instantly became a family caregiver, which wasn't the reason to call us, but in conversations with his colleagues over the next few days, lamenting, frankly, because that was his word, not mine, lamenting about how he now became an instant family caregiver. Every single colleague of his that he'd had lunch with or he'd go, we're all talking about how they're in the same situation. He called us up and said, I had no idea everyone's going through it because people don't talk about it. They'll talk about right. their, their kids and they'll hand out the cigars and the chocolate. No one talks about the fact that you... I had a good relationship with the CEO that I worked for. He knew all about my kids and the activities. I never told him once that I was spending a, a minute of time caring for my parents. Yeah. It's just not one of those things to talk about. So he called us back and said, I'm ready. I didn't realize this was that big of a deal. So I think to your point earlier, people do suffer in silence. It's a much bigger issue. And I'll stand by the fact that, again, I think at any given company, depending on, you know, if it's a, it's a super high tech firm and the average age is 26, maybe it's a little different, but at any given employer, more people are spending time caring for adults than they are for children. One of the things I wanted to ask about is the, the care guides that you select, right? Their ability to deliver, you know, great service has to be dependent on their experience, right? And their ability to, to navigate these certain things. So where are you recruiting your care guides from? How do you ensure that they have the, the required knowledge to navigate, you know, what I would call fairly unique situations? Well, I think, you know, for, for one, it is probably, it is without doubt, the greatest asset we have is our care guides. They are magnificent. They're all mission-driven. They're all empathetic. They are terrific. And they have the absolute ability and capacity. Many of them are bilingual to deal with support functions all the way to the white glove treatment of kind of senior executives. And, and that's important that they could be relate, relatable to all sorts of families and all sorts of whether it's rural or urban or without regard to socioeconomic status. They are just perfect. This where we get them. We take great pride in the fact that once we've and we have a wonderful leader by the name of Shanna Grayson, who is just she's magnificent. But and she started the recruitment. But one of our real blessings is that once we had that base of wonderful caregivers, they then started recommending people they knew in the industry 
And that begets something that begets something. And, and you find that some really, I mean, these are wonderful people and they're in social work for all the right reasons. But oftentimes social workers are put in awkward positions where they have to go into dangerous environments. And that's not something that they want to or their family members want to do. Or they're put in situations where they're working for really wonderful organizations, but they're in a transactional function where they get a call and these people want to make a difference in people's lives in, in a longitudinal way. And what we find is that We've created a really, I think, a pretty special work environment where care guides just suggest and recommend others and success begets success. And but, you know, that said, we also have full time recruiters constantly. We hit, we care deeply about quality control because we're only as good as our weakest link. We have you know training programs and quality control and managers on managers. But for the most part, it's it's really been, you know, knocking on wood. It's not been an issue for us. And, and we are always constantly hiring because we want to stay ahead of the growth, not fall behind to put too much pressure on the care guides. And we want to make sure that they have a caseload that is manageable. Yeah. The other part to your question, Michael, is that people have a common set of skills across them, but they also, we intentionally look for people who have some different expertise that they can share with the group. So, um, and we have a pretty robust kind of internal knowledge database to be able to share. So I mentioned before, we have some people who were discharge planners in hospitals. And so they understand some of the unique needs there. We have other people who have had really deep experience at community-based organizations because not everybody does private pay. How do you identify and access those kinds of free services? You know, some are faith-based, some are community. We have some other people who have, you know, their deep expertise is around kind of Medicare, everything from plan selection to understanding what can be reimbursed. Sometimes people get a bill and if they can go back to their doctor and get a prescription, even after the fact, they can get that paid for. We have people who have that expertise. So they all have common, certain common skills, but then they draw upon others to be able to kind of solve the unique needs that somebody, some family might have. So really a, a team-based approach, right, to, to trying to figure out how to solve, you know, unique problems. Yeah, but with, without sacrificing that personal relationship, that trusted relationship that we think is so terribly important. Yeah, no, I, I think that's critical, especially for that for the demographic. So tell me, what, what are some of the outcomes that you've been able to document to date? You know, whether it's, well, I'll, I'll let you guys, you know, describe. <laughs> We're trying to increase productivity and kind of reduce stress, so we kind of look across those things in particular for the for the employees. And, you know, we we're very happy that we've been able to help people and kind of save them on average 9.2 hours a month. That's time they would have normally spent at work doing things. And they can devote that time to other other projects, relationships and including their parents. So we're able That's to huge. help them save time there. We also we kind of measure, you know, what percentage of people are we seeing a significant reduction in stress? And fortunately, we that number is at 100% because we're really doing a lot. Sometimes it just makes people feel like they're doing a good job and they're doing all they can and to yeah. feel good about that. And then kind of the percentage of people who would recommend us, which is in some ways one of the most important measures is at 94%. We're getting, we get a lot of referrals within organizations from other employees who have, you know, they learn that a colleague's going through this and we can be a benefit and really be a help. And, and then also be able to help keep people at work more easily. We had a woman who's the head of R&D at a pharma company, two PhDs. She was thinking about leaving because her mother is going blind, lives three hours away. And she said, I have to my mother. I have to be there and I can't let her fend for herself. But with our help, 
you know, unfortunately, we can't address her her kind of vision issues, but we can work to get things in place. And so this woman who's the head of R&D is able to stay in her job. She's able to feel like she's helping her mother. By the way, her mother feels more independent. It's not, you know, so she's glad to have the help. And we empower the mother, too. And it's a kind of virtuous cycle. So we're doing things in that on that front as well. Yeah, I think there's one more. I think the other thing that we're, we're pretty proud of, again, keeping in mind that if a family dynamic again, ha- is perfect and, and they don't need our help, they're not going to use us. They're only helping us when they're in some sort of a kind of crisis mode. We have demonstrated data that there are very, very few members of ours that have had to be put into a facility. And, and you would normally think the percentages would be pretty high because, again, you're dealing with people that are you know, polychronic or they have dementia or, or other, other issues. And, and without the support that we provide, they probably would have, COVID or no COVID, had to go to a facility. And not only have we had a very small percentage of this kind of critically, kind of highly critical group need to go to a facility. And we're the first ones to admit when we're ready. And, and when they're ready, we'll help them figure out what's the right facility under what circumstances. And we have experts on staff that used to work in those facilities. Yep. So, but, but importantly, it's, this is also kind of interesting, Michael, with COVID, when parents go to a facility, they often go to a facility nearby the, uh, the son or daughter's home for proximity purposes. And then COVID hits, and then you're not allowed to visit them. Forgetting the health issues and all the risks with COVID, you're not even allowed to see them. Yeah. So you have all these family members that are living a mile away that they can't even look through the window to see, you know, their their mom or dad. We actually took great pride in in, in moving people out of those facilities and stabilizing them back into an independent environment. So I think that's another kind of area of results that we're we're pretty proud of. That's huge value for the family. And, and uh, I mean, Hey, look, who wants to be in a hospital setting? You know, nobody. Right. So I think that's, that's great. So you guys currently have three segments that you're, you're targeting uh, employers, long-term care insurance providers, and Medicare advantage. So for the employer segment, what's the fee structure, you know, for providing this service, you know, for their employees and their, and their parents, you know, we kind of have two prime two flavors of a primary one than a secondary. Most of the employers who work with us choose to offer it as a covered benefit so they can get kind of the a high level of engagement. And by that, we're getting on average of 10% plus of employees who are taking advantage of this um, wow. service. And so that kind of takes the form of a per employee per month fee, or in some cases, people philosophically want to, they're willing to pay a little bit more, but they pay on utilization based on those that are using it. And so we have that model as well. And then for larger organizations, some will offer they just the economics are such that they a voluntary benefit makes sense to them and we will offer it in that case. But um, we're really focused, especially on the companies that believe in this as a critical. They want to be there for their employees. They want to be able to help on mental health. They want to really focus on inclusion and they're kind of making the investment. It's not a huge investment to be able to support people in this regard. And, and Michael, I think, you know, one other point that, that I think bears there's mentioning, especially given you know, your listener base, there are a lot of CHROs and benefits executives that are really, really in the deep end of the pool, especially with COVID and, and whether people go back to the office or not. They're, they're, they're all working very, very hard. And they may be thinking to themselves, this is a really compelling idea and opportunity, but I just don't have time for it right now. I'd kind of like you to know and, and your listener base to know that Rolling this out is, is is really quite easy. There's no data files we need. We have all the collateral already printed out. This is as simple as an email that we've drafted that is subject to approval in a continuing effort to be an employer of choice and understanding that many of you are caring for 
aging adults, we have found Home Thrive and here's the link and you add a line there either it's a covered benefit or it's a voluntary benefit and that's it. And we assign account executives and it really is, you know, a 15, once you get through kind of the sales pitch, it's really a 15, 20 minute launch investment. And then it's all the relationship is between us and the employee. And it's really quite that, that quite and we could do all the reporting that they would ask for. Yeah, I, I think once you decide to implement something like this, it really just becomes a marketing communication and engagement. I don't know if you want to call it problem, but strategy, right? Yeah. It, it's it's being able to communicate over time in a way that people understand that it's aware because that's the biggest challenge with any benefit is just making sure people are aware so they can utilize it when they need it. Let's see here. You guys launched when and since you've launched how many uh, employers or employee lives have you uh, you know brought onto the platform so we launched about 3 years ago and we've got about 100 national employers that are with us and as you mentioned earlier we have the two other channels whether it's a kind of long term care insurance which as you you'd understand uh, the, the interests are aligned there michael of course the, yeah the policyholder the insurance company would love for people to stay at home and and not pay the freight of having to go to facility. But the truth is the policyholders themselves would much rather have the support to not have to have to go into the facility. And then we also have uh, Medicare Advantage or risk-bearing providers. And we have insurance companies that we help to keep people, again, the, the most costly, the frequent, you know, the, the friendly faces in the emergency room, right. keeping okay. them at home. And Because yeah. as you know, a lot of people go to the emergency room for a lot of reasons that, that are unnecessary. They're lonely, they're scared, they're bored, they're uh, they don't know how to, they can't get an appointment. It's too far away. They, they, they waited until something, a, a minor condition festered, where if they just told us about their leg infection at first instance, we could be the canary in the coal mine and get them to a dermatologist. Right. So by reducing some of those visits and admissions, we could be helpful to those channels as well. So we've been around for a few years. And, and I, I think what we're, again, we're really pleased that we've started to get some real inward interest from some of the, again, both regional and national uh, brokers and uh, benefits consultants that are that frankly look at us as a great opportunity to talk to clients and prospects about something new and different. And we, we you know we can't promise that every conversation converts, but we can promise that there's been no bad conversations. The conversation here is really about creating value for the employees. So it's kind of hard to have a, a bad conversation about this. Well, and the other benefit, Michael, in some ways, from a selling standpoint for our distribution partners is it's an intuitive conversation and everybody, almost everybody can relate to it because people have parents and a lot of the decision makers in this area, most of them not all are at an age where they've either, they're going through it, they've been through it, they have a spouse who's gone through it or somebody they know. And so they can relate to it personally, um, which is helpful in the, in the process and helps people appreciate the need. Geography is not a limitation for you guys. I mean, this is really a virtual service. So you can serve any employer across the country, correct? Absolutely. Again, as we, as we spoke about, the relationship between the care guide and the family is is telephonic or video. Again, we, we have some people use their iPhone and some people use a rotary phone, right? So it's it can be anything. As far as the services, we have a bunch of really wonderful, we call them product managers that are responsible for some of the different categories, right? So whether it's home care or meal delivery or medication delivery or home retrofit or transportation for seniors that isn't Uber or Lyft. And it's not a Google search. So if your mother lived in St. Louis and she needed a home care agency, we could identify the right home care agency that's perfect in St. Louis. And we're agnostic. We don't, we didn't align. Right. We're not vertical. We're not aligned. We're not yep. taking re referral fees. And, and, but we have the ability by not doing Google 
research St. Louis home care. We actually do research to call different resources that we know there to make sure that we're finding the right firm in the right circumstance that we'll put our kind of good housekeeping seal of approval on. And then we can, some are national providers and some are regional and some are very local. But again, we have a, a bunch of our product managers that do this for a living and in very short order, we can make recommendations. Uh, and we did that, as Dave mentioned, we did that this weekend against the bank executive needed a home care worker in a different city. And we were able to do it in a matter of four hours. So gentlemen, we've talked about a lot. Uh, if there was one question that I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? I think the one thing that that just I reflect on a lot as we have a lot of conversations is what a big need this is. Again, if you if you're going through it, sometimes people go through it and it's just organic and they, it's just what they do and it's part of their life and they they suffer through it. And, and others don't realize how many either that it's going to happen or how many other people are affected by it. And this is this affects this affects everybody sooner or later. And I think that creating an awareness that there are there at least is a resource out there that can make your life better right you, you people are not shy to hire accountants and lawyers and wealth managers and but what's more important than kind of people's health and taking care of your family having the ability to engage a kind of a caring resource that can really be an extension of your family that really will invest the time to get to know you will make your life better even if it's for putting aside the time saved, I just, you know, I remember when we're going through this personally, even when you're not doing something, it's on your mind, it's daunting. Yeah. And not having anyone to talk to or not having anyone to figure out who's right, you or your sister, right? And, and th that matters. And I think uh, taking advantage of that is important. And I think from an employer perspective, as Dave mentioned, you know, productivity, retention, diversity, inclusion. I, I think if I'm an employer, I, I wish my employer offered something like this. And we get that a lot. And related to, I would say, maybe it's kind of, it makes intuitive sense. Why doesn't almost everybody offer some version of this? And I think, I think in three or four years, they will, just like childcare has become, it's one that people haven't, we rarely get people who have seriously considered it and rejected it. They frankly just haven't thought about it as much because they're yeah. kind of with what's most common. And as we talk to people, it makes intuitive sense and so the adoption is coming along. So it's a matter of making people more aware and getting them thinking and realizing that there's a, a greater demand out there than people may be presenting kind of proactively coming forward with. I have, okay, I have one, Michael, I have one for you. Okay, we're all all friends right. here. And it's a curveball that I'm going to throw my friend Dave. What you should have asked Dave is he mentioned that we indeed are, and we're not apologizing for it, a high touch service company. But he also mentioned that we utilize technology. And maybe you could ask Dave what he meant by that. Dave, what'd you mean by that? <laughs> Did I say that? No, I, I think it's two things. Um, one is, I have three areas. One, internally, we make sure we're sharing information so that you get the best of all the care guides, intelligence, and experience brought to bear through that one relationship. Two is we allow, especially the employees, to interact with us digitally, which makes things more efficient for them. But three, um, and very importantly, is we have... A device, we, you know, as we said, we're very focused on reducing social isolation, loneliness, and creating connectivity. We have a device we give to older adults that allow them to see pictures of their family, um, to do video calls with one touch, and they don't have to worry about whether or not it's FaceTime or Duo or something else. And they can connect with their care guide that way and their family members. And it's incredibly intuitive and easy to use because while we all manage three or four devices and 
multiple apps, that's not really the way that older adults can really interact with these things. And so it allows the family to interact because there's an app for the family and we can manage it so that the family doesn't have to feel like they're the IT department for their mom. We are the IT department for their mom. We handle this, but we give a lot of interactivity between ourselves and the older adult and the family. And that's really powerful. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's uh, the, the analogy I'd give. It's like, it's like the, uh, the tablets that are designed for like two or three year olds, right? Super simple and intuitive, yeah, yeah. but they yeah, never, yeah. but you know, seniors never want to be condescended to, right? So you've just got to create a various, and you yeah. think about it, you know, my dad may have 400 friends, but there's only three or four people he talks to. And if right. a tablet has 12 icons, you might as well have 12,000. So you've got to right. really simplify it. And you know, these new cars these days, they have so much automation and technology, you kind of shut down and you don't want to, you don't want to use any of it. So let's just focus on what people will use and make things simple rather than hard. Well, I'm, I'm a big advocacy for uh, simplicity. So I think that's probably a, a good way to, uh, for us to end. Uh, so for, for folks listening to this, who, you know, want to learn more about Home Thrive and, and get in touch with you guys, where do they go? They can go to homethrive.com. Um, we have contacts there. Um, I'm Dave Jacobs. This is David Greenberg. There's a way for them to reach out um, and contact kind of uh, Mark Baymert, who's our VP of sales. Um, they can even schedule an appointment there if they just want to learn a little bit more. And then our website has a lot of information about how we serve not only the employer market, but long-term care insurance and, and kind of health plans as well. So, yeah. So I, I'd say that if, again, if you're a, if you're a distributor, a, a brokerage firm, a, a consulting firm, reach out to us and we'd be happy to do a deeper dive and, and think about how we could be helpful. Again, we're, we're happy to carry as much water as you'd like us to. And if you're an employer, uh, just reach out and we're happy to give you and smother you with all the attention you'd like and, and make sure that you have a wonderful experience. All right. Well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate uh, the time. I think it's been a great conversation and and truly, I think, you know, you guys really do fall into the the bucket of digital health you know, solutions that are out there that are are really making great strides in reducing some of the inequity that we have in access to healthcare and resources and, and actually creating value, you know, for people in the world. So excited to, uh, you know, see you guys progress there. On behalf of our listeners and myself, thank you for taking time to join us. And to our listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of, of Reconstructing Healthcare. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Home Thrive's website and contact information. Lastly, we welcome your feedback on the content we're bringing to you on the show. Let us know what you think with a review. It's super easy and takes five seconds. Just open up the podcast app on your phone, go to our show's page, scroll down to the bottom of the page and let us know what you think with a review. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare Podcast.